and welcome to From Apples to Fromage. I'm Colleen Vidockler. And I'm Talia Haken. Each week, we take you on a journey of flavors. Along the way, we'll share some of our favorite makers and growers and the stories behind the apples and the cheese. Let's get started. Or let's get cidered. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back. Hello. We are once again hanging out with some cider and some cheese. Fromage. Oh yeah, super excited. This is uh, one, of my, one of my favorite ciders, I think, right now. Ooh, so nice. I'm super excited to drink this with you. I'm excited to drink it, too. Period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so today we are doing Golden Russet. Um, this one is a 2019, fairly recent release, I would say. Maybe we released it in the, I think in the fall, maybe, or early spring it's not it's not been out too long but I think it's really great for sort of these summer to fall kind of days mm -hmm. where it's still a little warm but it's a little crisp too but yeah I'm really excited about it me too I'm excited to taste it golden russet yeah is that an apple mm -hmm. that I see <laughs> no probably okay. not it is a good eating apple yeah it is it um it's just was discovered in the early to mid 1800s in New York State, it is people eat it because it ripens early. It's got a nice tartness. oh, the golden delicious. That's totally different. Yes. So this apple is it is a good eater, mm -hmm. but it's not grown like widely. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a really good texture and it's really tart and it ripens early in the season. So people do like or would enjoy eating it, but. Um, it isn't a good baker, so it's not mm -hmm. like an apple pie apple. Yeah. But it's really delicious in cider. Uh, I was just reading some interesting things about it that mm. were saying that they think that maybe the one of the parents might have been Ashmead's kernel, Ooh. which I think we're going to do in a podcast soon, Yeah. Uh, that cider, because that's also another really good apple. But um, anyway, the golden russet is delicious, mm -hmm. and... People often ask me about the name, about the russet part of the name, because we really know russet from potatoes, mm -hmm. right? So russet potato. Yeah. And a golden russet actually has like a russeted skin. So that's oh, part of where the name yeah. comes from. So that's, you know, when you think of what a potato, a regular white potato looks like on the outside, it's similar so it's got kind of that rough skin mm -hmm. and um Maybe some kind brown of brown dots. looking yeah. brown yeah so it's really it's interesting because until I got involved in cider I didn't really know that russeting happened outside of potatoes, potatoes. cool <laughs> so I've definitely had my eyes opened about that but so yeah this cider has some real nice like pineapple notes passion fruit um key lime pie honeysuckle I mean it's just like very fruity and delicious it was I, I we released it when we were in like lockdown and people mm -hmm. weren't leaving their houses and nobody was going on vacation and so my favorite tasting note here was vacation because <laughs> you know it tastes like you should be on a beach in Hawaii somewhere yeah drinking this beverage so let's let's try it Taste. oh yeah mm. definitely get those like the honeysuckle mm -hmm. The marzipan, mm -hmm. that's ringing real true on the palate. Also, and I don't know if it's 
Because you know how you hear somebody say something, like if you're ever at a wine tasting and the person pouring is like, oh, there's right notes of musk and whatever. And you're like, ah, oh, yes, yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you said the russet potato, like on the nose, I was getting some kind of like starchier is the only way oh, um, for me to describe it at this exact moment. But some of those more like notes you associate with like carbohydrates. Yeah. Um, which might have, again, just be that influence of thinking of potatoes and then smelling it. But right. I definitely get a more, the nose does not totally add up to right to the palate on this. Right. It's not, it's much more of like a tropical explosion when yeah. you drink it mm-hmm. than it is when you're just smelling it. Yeah. And that honey, and mm-hmm. like honey has, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on varieties of honey. Seriously. But this definitely has notes of I guess that like honeysuckle taste yeah. note you all have on here but it, and, and it's got a nice little grip like tannin mm-hmm. grip there yeah which is really good yeah I mean seriously I, people laugh at me when I go to tastings and I say mm. I just imagine myself in Hawaii yeah <laughs> you know like on a beach having a tropical drink and then they try it and they're like oh yeah no I get that <laughs> yeah sometimes you just want to be transported totally and it's not super sweet either no so mm-hmm. like when you say that you think oh is this gonna be you know super super sweet right. or like sickly sweet or whatever but it is not it is not super sweet at no all. but we've done this before in a tasting and it is often if not the last one that we taste it's with true. often towards like the lower end but I think that rings true for a lot of your ciders mm-hmm. the and I know you've talked about, I don't know if we talked about it specifically in this podcast, but the difference between like your sweet or off drive versus yeah. sometimes other ciders um, that I was my first exposure to cider, which I wasn't really that into, um, that it's a really different experience than yeah. when people think of like a sweet or off drive drink. It's true. And that is a... Uh, that's definitely something that we fight against mm-hmm. on a regular basis mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking to new customers because the ex- the experience and the expectation is that it's going to be super sweet. It's going to be, you know, sticking in the back of your throat kind of cloyingly sweet mm-hmm. or it's going to be super austere and I don't like dry. I don't like that because it's, you know, whatever. And it's, it's a tough measurement. It's a really tough, sweet and dry are, are, is just a really tough measurement. And it's something right. that like I, I shy away from, I'd much rather ask you what other things do you enjoy drinking, mm-hmm. um, right. to match a cider to you than say, did you want a sweet cider or a dry cider? Because it's, it's personal preference, mm-hmm. it's personal experience. And you know, I could give you a dry cider with very little, acidity mm-hmm. that's completely dry but has a lot of fruitiness and you're going to tell me it's not dry because the fruitiness sort of perceives sweeter right. um than the actual like there are there are actual scientific measurements to say this is a dry cider right. you know but it doesn't always translate so there are some groups in, around the country that are trying to sort of standardize a sweetness scale yeah um, for cider and they're trying to include like perception and and fruitiness and tannin and all this stuff it's just tough and so that's Mm -hmm. why if you ever see me at a festival or a tasting I'm not gonna say do you like sweet or dry I'll say you know what do you drink right and people are always like well I don't know cider and I'm like I don't want to know what cider you drink I want to know what you drink do you drink whiskey Mm -hmm. do you drink red wine do you drink white wine do you like 
you know, fruity white wines? Like, what what do you drink? And that'll help me sort of place you right. in a cider. So, yeah, it's it's for us, it's all about balance. I don't want anything super dry or super sweet that you, neither side of the spectrum, you don't really want to have another glass. Right. You know, so what I want you to do is enjoy this glass of cider and pour another one. Yeah. <laughs> Success. So, sweet. Yes. But um, not. <laughs> um, and then on the back of the label, the golden, golden russet, it says that, um, I mean, I'll just read it, Yeah. that this apple is perhaps America's most important heirloom, celebrated and grown from coast to coast. Is that typical or atypical in terms of apples being quite regional um, of where they're grown? I imagine part of it de- determines on the climate or not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, You've got popularity and mm-hmm. uh, like demand, just or, demand. Yeah. yeah, and then economics, if you yeah, will. Yeah, exactly. And then you've also got um, how well does it grow? So, mm-hmm. like one of the downfalls of Colorado as an apple growing region historically was that we don't grow red delicious apples well. Mm-hmm. So they just don't grow well in our climate. And so when red delicious took over the market, yeah. and that's all anyone was selling. People who were commercially growing apples in Colorado were having a hard time keeping so, up. Yeah. And so a lot of them switched to things like peaches and cherries that mm-hmm. do really well in Colorado. And it wasn't the same kind of specific demand. I mean, there are people who grow it stuff from coast to coast that are like connoisseurs or right. they really like this or they've heard about it. And that, and that was... I think I think on the last podcast we talked about our grower up in Fort Collins, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he and he sells scion wood. So actually, we call him a stick farmer, you know, because he grows the trees to sell sticks, basically. Right. And so that's what he part of what he does is he sells it to anybody who's interested. And then the question becomes like, are you growing enough for anything other than your own? household to eat right or for a farmer's market mm-hmm. um and enough to grow make a cider out of but i think i did say this in the beginning that this was originated in new york state and it is grown mm-hmm. these apples were grown in washington state so it's from that perspective grown coast to coast but yeah it depends on demand and and stuff but you have to remember there are thousands of named varieties of apples right and even more unnamed yep. and then even <laughs> many more that were named and lost mm-hmm. um, in, a, in 100, 200, 300 years. So, right. you know, there are the ones that we're familiar with, like Golden Russet, and thank God people are continuing to grow them. But yeah. I will say they they taste different. Yeah. They totally taste different based on where they were grown. Right. So I could identify an Asapa Spitzenberg apple, hands down. I'm very familiar with that apple. However, an, ap- an Asapa Spitzenberg apple grown in Washington versus on the western slope of Colorado tastes completely different, mm-hmm. especially when you ferment it. So yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah, I was just in, um, or I guess a couple weeks now, up in Maine, and I didn't realize, and maybe it's just where we were staying. We were staying in Blue Hill, which is not far from Acadia, so we're like northeastern part of the state. The property we were staying on had two different apple trees, mm-hmm. which I feel like before meeting you, I would have been like way more apprehensive of just plucking <laughs> them down and trying them because yeah. the worst thing is you're going to like, so so long right. as it's not infested with worms or whatever. True. But the worst thing is you're going to be like, wow, that is not appetizing. That's not taste good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
and then we were visiting family that live on a rather large piece of property that has a ton of different trees um and there were just like a lot of apple trees yeah um and I don't I think one was definitely Macintosh though maybe a sister yeah. or brother but then one was greenish yellowish that probably could have used a little bit more ripen time but I don't think it was a granny smith because it wasn't mm-hmm. so tart but anyway yeah it's, there's there's apples there are apples everywhere and yeah. and you know some of it could be named and some of it could yeah. just be a seedling because I think I think we've talked on the podcast before but you know Colleen and I we do like classes online so we've talked a lot about all these things I can't remember if we talked about it here but um apples are what we call extreme heterozygotes mm-hmm. so every single seed it's a trivia question yeah it's a trivia yeah. question mark that one down <laughs> every single seed is a brand new apple that's never existed before mm-hmm. so it may I mean you may plant it and it, it's very similar to its parent yeah. but it's a brand new apple it's not right. genetics are not identical by the way, like humans, yeah. you know, you get two humans and they have a kid. Their kid is not a clone of one of them. Right. Their kid is their own person that has traits of each parent, but is their own person. And so it's similar for apples, but even more extreme because they have so many seeds and whatever. And um, so it's really easy to, I'm, I have a favorite tree. It's recently been taken down because it was not healthy it was clearly a seedling mm-hmm. um clearly based on where it was located on a major thoroughfare somebody threw an apple out their window this is my my thought hypothesis, uh, my yeah. hypothesis <laughs> um somebody threw their core apple core out the window a seed germinated grew in the landscaping <laughs> and became an apple tree and produced this brand new crab apple that we don't think has ever existed before we've tested. I don't think we had the genetics tested. We've tasted it. We've looked at millions of different, you know, apples in different yeah. books. We can't find anything like it. Ooh. And so we saved it. It was um, brought down recently because it was not healthy and it was in a weird spot. Uh, but we did save grafts from it and oh, one of cool. our growers is growing it for us. So. What are you going to call it? What, um, what Dan like, has dubbed it Talia's Crab Apple right oh, now. I love that. <laughs> but um, it may stay Talia's Crab Apple, but we'll Where see. Where was it? Like, um, now, I, I, now I can tell you it's in Denver. Um, it was sort of near Alameda, uh, Monaco in Denver, if you're familiar with the area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I happened to be walking by, and I saw it, and I grabbed an apple. So it was fortuitous. But yeah. Um, so that's the thing. Like, keep your eye out for apples. Keep really your eye out for apples. Yeah, um, I was. You talking could have to a cider somebody. named after you too. Exactly. I was well, only if it's good. Yeah, that's only true. if the apple's good because a lot of them are not. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I was who was I? I was talking to somebody recently, and they were like, "Oh, um, have you seen all these apple trees growing up in Boulder in Chautauqua?" Ooh, and like, there's like on the hikes. Yeah, yeah. Up to like the Flatirons and stuff. There are apples growing in weird places, and people are like, "How did? Why did people plant an apple there?" And the key is nobody planted it there. What happened was the bears were eating the apples around Boulder, and going into the mountainous areas where they, you know, sleep or whatever, and they poop, and Mm -hmm. the apple seed germinates, and then you've got a brand new apple tree. So if if somebody ever could like really get into it yeah. up there and like 
some of those canyons, they're not hikeable. Like, they're, right. humans cannot. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah. like, really, it's doesn't. There's some humans out here. Yeah, that's they, true. They can. That's true. There are some people who might be able to do it. But, like, there's some crazy, like, side of the mountain kind of trees. And right. there might be some really interesting trees out there that we can't, we don't know about. But, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. It okay. Is Let's Speaking do of trees, some... let's move to cheese. Cheese. <laughs> trees, cheese. Cheese, cheese. Cheese does not grow from trees. No. It's what what do we have there? It's gooey. Yeah, we have, it's uh, it's a camembert, <laughs> which is looks would look like the wheel of a brie. They're mm-hmm. quite similar. Are they not the same? They're like, not the same. We'll get into that. Okay. Hold, hold really the phone real quick. Curious. Um, but I also want to eat They're this. really, they are quite similar. And I feel like in the States, they're almost the same. Yeah. It, yeah we'll talk about it in one second. Um, so this is, it's made by MoCo. Mm-hmm. M-O-U-C-O, um, which is a small family uh, cheese creamery uh, or makers up in Fort Collins. Um, they've been around, it looks like just 20 years. So they first started producing cheese in 2001. So cheers to you all in 20 years. It's yeah. A, a big deal. Um, so yeah, you said it's real gooey. Mm-hmm. We, I let it sit out for at least like an hour and a half, two hours before before we consumed it and again it looks like it looks like a piece of brie or camembert um it's a cow's milk uh let's give it a taste let's try delish yeah super tasty yeah easy to eat quite easy to eat it again it's made with cow's milk it has that bloomy rind which is just that white uh, coating to it there's other colors that might be associated with blooming white rinds but for the most part it is that white so slight you might not even realize the kind of mold that coats the outside of it. I paired it with this one mostly because of those kind of stronger sweet-ish honey-esque notes that uh, softer cheeses, bloomy rind cheeses and honey just go really well together. Um, cuts through a little bit of the creaminess, butteriness, a little bit of that like chalkiness too that's associated mostly, mostly with the rind of the cheese. And mm. then again, just the fact that this is a beverage made of apples, um, apples and mm-hmm. more camembert, brie yeah. is also just like a classic pairing. Um, I don't know what it was. I was probably a really weird kid, but I really <laughs> loved breeze and stuff as like a kid. Mm-hmm. And I loved like the toothsomeness of the mm-hmm. rind. Mm-hmm. Like I liked the like bite, but also the creaminess, mm-hmm. which this definitely has and is really good. But it is not... Some, like, breeze are so intense. Pungent. Pungent that yep. it, you know, is too much to eat a lot of, and I could just eat a lot of this. Yeah, this one, it does not have a super pungent yes. kind of forward, yeah, flavor profile. And there's a couple reasons to that. One, it's just the way they make the cheese. But two, it's also the ripeness of it. So if I let this cheese, and especially, or most softer, like, bloomy rind-ish cheeses, your brie, your camembert, not always, but smaller producers often will. These individuals at MoCo, they have, you'll see on the bottom, and they're cute little, I don't know, four inch in diameter, maybe like mm-hmm. three and a half inch. It's a small little wheel, but it'll ha- it has on the back of it, and they make a couple different cheeses. One that's ash ripened, so there's the rind is, is coated in ash. Another one, it looks, the, or- the rind is orangey. It's mm-hmm. called a color rouge, which is almost like a, it's like a washed rind style cheese. Anyway, all that to say, all of their cheeses have on the back a couple different dates. So, for example, this wheel that we're eating says fresh and tangy 
was August 9th. Cream mm -hmm. and Soft is September 7th. And um, Enjoy It With Friends by October 5th. I'm not sure the exact oh. date we're posting this, but it will. So if, if we enjoyed this on October 5th or even a little bit after, like that, it's going to be a little bit more pungent. That's As so it ages, yeah, because cheese is continuing to age, right? Sort of like the our cider, totally. But yep. that's I love that they put those dates on there. Yeah, not all makers do, it, but you. yeah, that's awesome. And because everybody has a different flavor profile, like this cheese tastes tasted very different back in the beginning of August than it does in the middle of September. Now, all right, let's try it with the cider. Yes, please. Mm. Oh, that works. It really does, and you know what? It's very mild. Like mm -hmm. when we're eating it, like right now. It's gooey and, and interesting and mild, but then with that cider, it kind of yeah. makes it even more pungent and like... Right. It brings out more mm -hmm. flavor, mm -hmm. and I think it's like the combination. I don't know if it... It may actually bring out a little bit more flavor in the actual cheese, but it's definitely the two of them. I feel like it makes the cider almost a little bit more like more apple forward, mm -hmm. or I don't know if I'm like... Yeah, I... Reaching for strings here, I don't but, know. I get, I get a lot of more flavor from everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, correct. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. Yeah, and this is a local maker. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Really good. So the difference between brie and camembert, oh, yeah. which you'll Tell see them that. often, uh, they look really similar. And again, in the States, so brie was originally made with unpasteurized cheese, so it's raw milk cheese, and it hasn't gone through the treated process. In the U.S., the FDA requires that you can't sell raw milk cheese if it's aged for less than 60 days. Huh. And softer cheeses are always going to be aged less than mm -hmm. harder cheeses. And so a lot of producers overseas wanting to like tap into the market over here started making cheese that was pasteurized. And it lost, lost some of the flavor and complexity. So I think in general, camembert is a little bit more pungent. But they, again, have really – if you were to put – a wheel of brie and a wheel of camembert, you probably yeah. couldn't tell the difference. Interesting. Um, typically, like, there is one major difference is oftentimes brie can have cream added to the process, making it a bit more rich mm. and creamier, mm -hmm. for lack of a better descriptor, where uh, camembert uh, doesn't and gives a little bit more of that, like, kind of pungent nose. But again, this is, this is pretty mild, but I would argue and put money on if we ate this on October 5th, it would be a little bit more forward. Yeah, more pungent. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. That's really good. Yeah. This was a great pairing. Thank you. Agreed. Oh my gosh, thank you. That's really thank good. Us. Thank, thank us. Thanks apples, thanks cows. Thanks, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks cheese not, makers. It's not about us. Cheese makers. So good. Yeah. Well, it's more about you. No, mm. it's definitely, like, <laughs> I, I just picked I'm so you. impressed. That, I'm so impressed that people could figure out how to make cheese. Like, that just oh, seems yeah. like such a tough thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Tough thing to figure out, um, especially like the good bacteria and stuff. like you yeah. know what I mean. Like, they would say the same thing about cider, but probably but point but, taken. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. All right. Well, well this thanks was fun. for tuning in. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks for joining us on from apples to fromage. We hope you'll join us again for our next one. And cheers. Cheers. <laughs>